Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Across the Pond Sports Podcast, part of Across the Pond Sports Network. Don't forget to drop us a rating and review after the episode. Check us out on social media and on our website at atbsports.net. Welcome to Across the Pond Sports Podcast. Uh, back for another week now. I do apologise last week we didn't have a show and we had some technical difficulties and that unfortunately meant we couldn't put a show out, which is a real shame because some of the takes we had in that show were pretty awesome and on point, which is just, you know, sod's law. So <laughs> we move on. Ryan's not with us right now, but he's going to join us in a bit. But I do have a very special guest uh, all the way from Utah, Raul Smith. Um, now, I was very fortunate last week to be on Raul's podcast, Closing Tag. Now, Raul, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us about your podcast? So the Closing Tag podcast, I like to refer to it as a variety podcast that just happens to talk about you know, technology. Most of it was just kind of putting together a technology podcast originally, you know, talking about like web development and all the stuff that's going on in the tech world. And then I just kind of got in my head like, well, I'd like to also talk about, you know, sports and about politics and about, you know, stuff that's going on in the world. And so I just got in my head like, why don't we just do a variety podcast? So that's kind of how the closing tag started. I've actually been in web development for about 11 years. So I do kind of know what I'm talking about. I've also been a sports fan for about three times longer than that. So yeah, I've seen quite a few things. Awesome. Now, we have a big, big news this week. We are, we are going to be um, launching, not this week, it'll be next Monday, the 14th uh, of June. 
Uh, we're going to be la- launching Across the Pond WNBA podcast with myself and Michelle Snow, former uh, WNBA All-Star uh, and the first person to dunk in uh, an a WNBA All-Star game as well, which is pretty good. So we're going to people are going to start seeing our logos and stuff around and we're going to get all that out to people. Really looking forward to putting that show out, covering the WNBA very undervalued now in utah they did have a wnba team for a while but they they got moved around quite a lot um, i think they ended up in san antonio and then somewhere else do you think the wnba has a place in utah in the future i think eventually probably not for at least another five years i know that the vegas aces are doing really good right now and Utah's kind of adopted them as kind of like our pseudo uh, team right now. And, you know, Seattle Storm's also been doing really good. So I know that a lot of people here that root for women's basketball are also big Seattle Storm fans. But eventually, kind of like how we always talk about, you know, is Utah ready for a professional baseball team? Is Utah ready for professional, as they call it here in the States, football team? You know, eventually, you know, someday, but probably won't happen for some time, unfortunately. Yeah, because for a long, long time, the Utah Jazz have been the only professional team uh, in Utah since the 70s. So obviously you do have an MLS franchise there now. So obviously that that's there. And, And to be fair to Major League Soccer, it is growing and it is becoming more popular as well so that's pretty good let's talk about your fandom then your jazz fandom you you kind of touched on it there in your intro when did you become aware of the jazz and and what kind of gripped you about the that franchise so i've always lived in utah my entire life my mom was just a gigantic sports fan uh god rest her soul you know she was into the cowboys she was into basketball she was into boxing and one day we were just flipping the channel we came across, you know, this basketball game, the Jazz were playing the Magic Johnson Lakers in the second round of the playoffs. This was in 88. This was the famous 88 series that, you know, elevated the Jazz to that next level. And I just caught on almost right away. Like I saw how many people were cheering for the Lakers and yet nobody was cheering for this other team from Utah that where I was. And I just, you know, caught on right away to, you know, how well John Stockton was playing, how well, you know, Bobby Hansen at the time uh, was playing, Carl Malone, Daryl Griffith, all these guys that nobody knew about. And so for me, I gravitated almost right away, especially to Stockton, you know, being such a short guy that really knew how to go up against these bigger, taller guys, almost like he belonged because he did. And he ended up being one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah, he did. And his height really didn't seem to matter. It's uh, Alan Iverson's birthday today. So happy birthday to Alan Iverson. And he's another player, but very small in stature, but boy, did he pack a punch as well. And obviously yeah. in a very different way and sometimes he did pack punches but <laughs> he was another player that just height wasn't an issue uh, whatsoever my kind of jazz fandom started when I was watching the dream team I watched the Olympic final 
And I, I just like you, I seen John Stockton. I seen this little guy, and um, I, I was I had family and friends in Utah, so I kind of thought, oh, he plays in Utah. So like, that, who does he play for? And that's when I I got into the jazz. We do want to give a big shout out to Kristen Kenny, who was a jazz sideline reporter for the last five yeah. years. She has sadly moved on from from the jazz, which is sad because she became a real kind of face of the franchise hadn't she she did she really did i actually did not get a chance to watch many of the games on tv i've been mostly following jazz through like webcam footage or through david Locke on the radio big time analytics guy by the way yes he is and so the few times that i did get a chance to watch on tv and see christy kenny you know I really was, you know, drawn to her, uh, similar to how I'm drawn to other, you know, intelligent women in uh, professional basketball like Doris Burke and uh, so forth. You know, it was just more, here's a person that's really intelligent that knows what they're talking about. And for me, that's a huge draw as well. Yeah, I think it is. And she had obviously a lot of fun on the court, especially since Donovan's joined and the whole water bottle thing. When someone has a good game, <laughs> they're getting interviewed and you always see her having to duck out of the way. She's also very short. She's like 5'3". So when she said, Dan's next to Rudy Gobert, who's seven foot, that was always, uh, yeah, that was always a bit of fun. I do have to welcome onto the show Ryan, who's just joined us. Ryan, how are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Hopefully the, the show's been going all right. Phone issues. Always fantastic to, to have on a on a Monday night. Oh yeah, yeah I know. You don't charge a thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think the problem was I was charging it and that's what made it just totally go, Oh, do you know what? I'm just gonna do a bit of a An update. update here. Shut so, everyone down. So you're blaming right. Apple, is that what you're saying? <laughs> of course <laughs> never your fault so we've been talking jazz we've been talking we we mentioned that we are launching across the pond WNBA podcast next week uh, with michelle snow that's just to catch you up ryan what we're gonna move on to then is the playoffs these are mm-hmm. that's why we're here so ryan we'll, we'll get you in on this first of all why does the nba world not want to see the Jazz in the finals? Because when I go online, all I'm seeing is, oh, it'd be such a travesty if the Jazz made the finals. I I kind of think of the, not not so much the hatred, but the, the kind of dismissal of the Jazz in the NBA finals as more of a sign of the the overall kind of general consensus public looking for their next big superstar. So they're wanting to see someone like Jokic. They're wanting to see your likes of KD and Harden, etc. All these big superstar names in a, in a big final. Because I think last year, I think we were both kind of privy to this. It was a case of the Lakers against the Heat. It was a bit of a kind of anticlimactic final where one team was massively outmatched and the other team was just dealing with like random injuries here, there, and everywhere. So it was. It wasn't really a classic final. It was good. It was a good final. It was interesting. But you wouldn't say, oh, I'd really want to watch that one again and again and again. So I think that's why they're looking for one of these new powerhouse teams to get there and to reignite a spark in these other kind of smaller market teams where 
the, I think everyone knows that the Jazz always seem to be in amongst the kind of later rounds of the playoffs. So it's almost like we've seen what these guys can do already. It's nothing new. Whereas after the bubble games last year with Jokic and Jamal Murray going off, maybe that's what the, the public are really, you know, wanting. They're wanting to see these guys go off again, which I don't know. Is that is that really what makes a good NBA final? I thought it's better to be the most competitive final and the, the best players rather than just these random 50-point games here and everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I prefer a close game. Like, I want... Two point wins, three point wins. I want it to go down to the wire. Raul, you you'd live in Utah. Obviously, sentiments in Utah will be slightly different to the rest of the country or the NBA world. What what is the feeling in Utah at the moment? A little bit nervous, little bit uh, excitement. There's a lot of people here that are you know especially nervous going up against the Clippers because you know it's not a matter of can we beat them in a straight up you know, contest or straight up basketball game or seven game series. It's a matter of, can we overcome Kawhi Leonard? Can we overcome this already perceived officiating bias that uh, we're anticipating because LA is the last team now that is from a big market standpoint in the Western conference, everybody else is small market, Phoenix, Denver, Utah, a lot of it is going to depend on, you know, can we overcome the officiating? Can we overcome Kawhi Leonard? Can we overcome? I mean, Paul George is not going to be a factor, I don't think, because uh, we've seen how Paul George handles uh, his business against somebody like Joe Ingles uh, because we've played them in the past. And so there is a lot of optimism, but there is also a lot of nervousness. I think once the Jazz play the first two games, we'll have a better understanding of, you know, where everybody's expectations are as far as can we actually win this series versus, you know, this gloom and doom that people seem to, you know, shelter onto. It's, it's a tough one because I think for me, I'm a Jazz fan. I'm, I'm out of Utah. I'm out of America. So mm-hmm. um, when I see all this kind of stuff, um, and I, I've seen it on Clubhouse uh, as well, and I've heard people talking about it. Like people don't want to see a Nets Jazz final. I mean, you're still going to get your KD, your James Harden, and everything else. But then, I, what I think is quite exciting, and one thing, and Ryan talked about it a second ago. One thing I wanted to see in that series between the Lakers and the Heat last year was that young Heat team. That's what I wanted mm-hmm. to see. Whereas I think that this year we have a young jazz team. It's got some good vets in it. And I really want to see them take on a, a very, very well-seasoned Nets team. And yes. obviously this Nets team have kind of been put together. But I think it'll be really good. I think it'll be, I think it'll be what, what I, and probably Ryan, you as well, that you were looking for last year with the Heat. You were looking for that young team to kind of come in and give the Lakers a challenge can the Jazz challenge the Nets or the Bucks or whoever it is that makes it to the finals for the East? I think I think we can. I think the the more interesting topic that will come up if it is the 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 Nets and the Jazz is how will the Nets really survive as a as a unit? I think we've been talking about this all season. They've still not really had a challenge. 
every time they've faced off someone uh, in these playoffs, it's been half a team. So they're facing off against Giannis just now. And Giannis, right, fair enough, the only player they're really missing is Defensenso. But the the impact of him not playing as much or him not playing at all in this series is quite a lot because he was their kind of glue guy in terms of giving the Bucks that floor space in general on the floor when Drew Holiday was sent out. So without Jaden Chensel, it means that people like Bryn Forbes has to go off and suddenly become prime Danny Green. If anyone remembers what prime Danny Green was, it's back when he was at the Spurs. Not not these past five or six years where he's just been floating around and, you know, bricking shots here, there and everywhere. So it's 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 a strange one. I I just I, I really want to see this next team be challenged. And I think that first game against the Bucks all night was very telling, the fact that they were playing defense. You had Blake Griffin, one of the, the elder statesmen of the Nets, diving about all over the floor, making sure that he was first to those loose balls. And if that is the way this series goes, great. I, I would happily say, yeah, let's go and see more Nets games because the whole season, they have not played any defense and they've not wanted any part of it. So turn it on now. Is it too little too late? I don't know. Yeah, it could be could be a fun one. We will touch now on your Dallas Mavericks. I I, I was kind of gutted. I, I I was gutted on one hand and then not on the other. I think I'd much rather play the Clippers than the Mavericks. But at the same time, now that the Mavericks have lost, we've heard a couple of things come out of the Mavericks organization. Chris Stapps isn't happy with his role there. There's a few players up in free agency. No one knows what's going to happen with them. Some big contracts particularly could end up being. So, uh, Raul, we'll go to you first because it's Ryan's yeah. team. Is uh, Are the Mavericks in a sort of, if Chris Stapps leaves, um, and that obviously opens up some cap space and maybe Hardaway Jr. leaves and, you know, even more cap space. Mm-hmm. Are the Mavericks not in a rebuild, not on like full rebuild, but are they on like a, a mini rebuild for Doncic and to get Doncic the right pieces to, to get around them? So I actually did some research on this when you brought the question up in Messenger this morning. Porzingis is not up for a contract extension or even, you know, up for agency for a couple more years at least. So he's Unless they trade him, he's stuck in Dallas. But I do think they will eventually look to trade him. I mean, there were some rumblings, uh, I think, during the trade deadline, as far as like him moving to Golden State or him moving to Portland or, you know, what have you. So I think those discussions are going to resume once free agency or even the draft starts up. One thing that I actually think would actually help both him and the Mavericks and possibly even the guy that they're looking to get would be him going to Minnesota for Carl Anthony Towns. Because if you think about it, both are at the same age. Both are going to be making the exact same amount of money. Uh, So the salary cap fit is perfect. So, and Carl Anthony Towns is not going to win many games in Minnesota as the lead guy. But if you pair him off in Dallas with a Luka Doncic, that suddenly becomes a very scary team in the West. And of course, that's if uh, A-Rod allows the team to stay in Minnesota. They, they could be making a move 
out west to Seattle, um, which would be absolutely amazing. I'd love to see a Seattle team again. Ryan, the Mavs, you know, they went down in seven. It was a bit heartache for them. I felt for them because I really had strong feelings that they were going to make it through and they were going to push the Clippers down and we would be without an LA team in the in the next round. But the Clippers got through. How, how do the Mavericks kind of move on from this? I think the the first the first point I'm going to touch on is Chris Sutton needs to just shush. He he really does need to just you know quiet down. Think about what his role was this year, and think about what the Mavs were trying to do with him. Now they weren't asking him to be a spot shooter. They were giving him as much touches as he needed. It was just that he was breaking a lot of shots. I seen a lot of funny memes floating about before a game seven. The fact that Playoff P had. Uh, basically transitioned his crown onto playoff Kristaps. So I thought that was that game last night really cemented the fact that it was Dontich and maybe a little bit of Tim Hardaway Jr. and not much else for the Dallas Mavericks. The fact that Kristaps had so many touches and had so much opportunity last night and didn't look to, you know, really stamp his authority down. There was a few plays in the first quarter where I thought, oh, he's got a couple of easy layups. Maybe he, this is his springboard to really show us what he can do. Because I don't, I don't know how much you guys watched Kristaps at the Knicks, but he was an awesome, awesome player. He basically turned that weird franchise around a little bit in the way that they were winning games where they, sh- they didn't have any right to win games when he was in them. And he was basically be- like, making that franchise something a bit different than what it used to be. It was all about ISO. It was all about very stagnated ball uh, ball movement, etc. And he came in, it was basically, look, now we've got a big man that can space the floor. He can spread passes. He can hit threes. He can dunks. He's got really good defense. Since he's a bit of the Mavericks, I know he's been injured a lot. He has been an absolute shell of himself. And it's not looking good from, from my eyes. I don't think he deserves the contract he's on not from these performances he's had this this past year. So, yeah, I do agree. I think they're probably going to be looking at trading them. There was, as uh, Raul was saying there, there was a lot of rumours that he was going to get traded before the trade deadline uh, back in was early March, February time. I think what they were looking at, they were looking at Boston as one of the possible de- destinations for him because, obviously, at that time, Boston were looking at moving everyone. They were just like, yeah, we need to totally just overhaul our whole roster. And I think that that would be quite interesting to see some of these very very good role players end up in Dallas because I, I I don't know if a, another star is what Lucan needs right now like in terms of the the Carl Anthony Towns I think he just needs a team around him like if they just go and get another one guy I don't think it changes much in in the in the West it's it'd be different if it was in the East but in the West it's more so they need the, the team around them rather than just two guys. Yeah, I mean, I think looking at it from, from the outside in, Mark Cuban is he, he's willing to put the work in and he's willing to kind of move guys around. He's willing to spend money. And I don't think you could ever accuse him of not being a, a team guy. I think he's probably, of all the owners in the NBA, probably one of the biggest team guys there are. I think he he sometimes needs to kind of take a step back as well. Because I think sometimes he gets too involved 
uh, in players. And because I know like he was best friends with like was it, uh, Chandler for for a long time and Chandler got this big massive contract and everything else and that all happened and he ended up in Memphis and never played again. So <laughs> I think I think they have to be smart, the Mavericks. And I think I think Mark Cuban needs to let his management team manage it themselves. Because I think if he gets involved it will be a, let's go get a big star. Let's not worry about getting a team around. Let's just go get a big star. Let's put asses on seats. And not that there's anything wrong with putting asses on seats. It pays the bills. But I think I think they need to they need to be patient is probably the, the best best kind of thing that I think they can do. Uh, what we'll do is then we will take a, a short break and we will be right back after this. Okay, so we're back. I still have Ru with us, and Ryan's phone is magically still working. So <laughs> we'll bash on. So next up is the Hawks, and they win game one against the 76ers. Ryan, this was a little bit of a shock for me. I, I, I knew the Hawks, you know, wanted some damn respect, um, and, you know, they won the first round matchup, and that was fine. And, you know, I think they got some respect for that. But then they go out in game one against the 76ers and, and win and do a pretty, pretty good job of it as well. Are they, the 76ers, in trouble? Nah, don't believe it. Don't believe it. Don't believe it at all. Mainly for the fact that Joel Embiid should not have been playing that first round game at all, like against the Hawks. That was, it, it, they should just rest them. I said it before that. If it is a tear, they need to be as cautious as they can be. And against a team like the Hawks, I know that they won the other night, and I know they looked pretty impressive. But the reason why they were so impressive was from three. It wasn't for being dominant inside. Capella wasn't, you know, 20 boards, 15 uh, offensive rebounds, dunks all over the place. That was not him. Uh, Collins was good. Again, he done most of his damage from getting random little putbacks and like little dunk offs when Joel Embiid stepped up and I think it was very telling that Joel's hurt. They need to rest them. They can't be they can't be putting them in every single game against the Hawks and just hoping that they can just bludgeon them past them. They need to and Doc Rivers needs to actually use his basketball experience. This Hawks team is very, very fragile and we both know it. We've seen their games against the Nets. They're really high scoring. That's the way they are. They don't play a lot of good defense, not in big spurts. So all the Sixers need to do is actually play a slowed-down version of their own game rather than try and play fast tempo that they tried to against the Hawks all night. That doesn't work. Yeah, I don't think they can trade blows. Uh, one thing I will say, though, Ryan, is last week you called that uh, one of your hot takes was that LeBron wouldn't be out in the first round that didn't go too well for you so I don't know if uh, how much we should take in your 76ers uh, chat <laughs> maybe the Hawks so maybe the Hawks have got there's, it there's a there's a recurring theme here which we never know about uh, their their main piece or main big man going down injured with some serious knee slash hip issues so I think that I think that the, the, the 76ers are a much better put together team than the Lakers so yeah I, I wouldn't I, I thought that they should just rest well for this whole series I think that the 76ers have enough firepower to get past the Hawks without Joel Embiid 
But Joel B scored thirty nine points in this game. Yeah, yeah. But did you did you watch the last quarter? Every single time they were targeting him on the defensive side because they saw in I think it was for the second or third minute of the fourth quarter, he came down on that right leg and he was hobbled for pretty much that whole quarter. Now, if they don't take him out then, what are they doing? What is Doc Rivers? Again, let's just bash some Doc Rivers slander here because he is not a good closing coach in the NBA. And it was a fluke that they came back into that game the other night. And to see them still persist with Joel Embiid after he was hurt, that's not good. You're trying to win the NBA championship. It's not about one game. Think of the bigger picture, Doc. Okay, so Raul, 76ers, Hawks. Um, the Hawks, Trey Young came out before the playoffs started and said he deserves some damn respect. Um, like I say, I mean, they, they won the first round really well against the Knicks. And then they go out and beat the 76ers. Uh, does Trey Young, does he deserve our respect? I think there's a lot of uh, respect that needs to be uh, tossed in Trey Young's direction. But at the same time, you know, by the way, uh, side note uh, real quick, as far as Trey Young's concerned, you know, it's really nice and refreshing uh, to once again have a villain in New York again, you know, someone to verbally go back and forth with Spike Lee because we had it with Jordan, we had it with Reggie Miller, and now we have it with Trey Young again. So that's always nice to see. But I do think the Hawks are underrated. Uh, I do think that they're, you know, under, they're seen as someone that's not a threat. I mean, Ryan pointed out, you know, just rest Joel Embiid. It'll be fine. You know, the Jazz did that with Donovan Mitchell against the Memphis Grizzlies, and you saw what happened there. You know, you don't really want to risk permanent injury to your MVP, but at the same time, the Sixers are indeed in trouble. And, you know, if the shooting for Atlanta continues, as Ryan mentioned, uh, it's going to be a very short series and not in a good way for Doc Rivers. I think what Doc needs to do is, you know, respect the outside shooting of not just Trey Young, but that entire Hawks team and, you know, shore up that perimeter defense. You know, if they can shore up the perimeter defense against Atlanta uh, in games two and three, I think it's going to be a little bit more in favor of Philadelphia. If not, this is going to be a very nasty, very ugly uh, situation for a team that was perceived going into the playoffs as one of those threats to maybe make it all the way to the finals. Yeah, and they, they were, and, and the Hawks have kind of quietly gone about their business in the playoffs for the most part, especially against the Knicks. You know, there was obviously a lot of fan issues and whatever else during that series in New York, but I think on the court stuff, I think, yeah, the Hawks have just kind of put their heads down and, and kind of went at it. The Nets could be without James Harden uh, for a while. Can Ryan, the the Bucks take advantage of that? Or is there just still too much on that Nets team for the Bucks to handle? This, again, I, I believe it comes down to how that coach, Coach Bud, handles this news that Harden will most likely be out for at least the next two games. If they don't capitalise on this and they don't get Kyrie and KD into early foul trouble and get them out of the game, then they're missing a massive trick here. 
they have the personnel and they didn't use it to their advantage. They had uh, Brooke Lopez and they had Yanis being guarded by KD and they weren't posting them up. KD is, is a very good defender, but when he's posted up against bigger guys, we know he gets in foul trouble. We saw that the other night. They had him. They had him, I think it was on four or five fouls in the fourth quarter, and they just stopped feeding the post. Just just keep doing it. That's That works. If he's out of the game, it forces them to rely on one star rather than two. And I I think that if Coach Bud doesn't realize this sooner in the game, then I, I don't see how he beats the Nets because the, 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 the what they tried the other night was they tried to go blow blow with blow with them and they they were very effective at getting rebounds because we all know that the Nets don't play a lot of defense. They they play very stop start defense and it was up to Blake Griffin basically to single handedly box out three guys at once almost. So if they are missing James Harden and if they're out without one of their main role players in Jeff Green there's not a lot of people there that, that can step up to the mark. I've got to give a shout to, I don't know if you guys know who or have seen much of Nick Claxton this year, but he's basically the 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 real centre in the Nets uniform. They obviously kind of replaced DeAndre Jordan with him and he had an amazing, amazing game one. And he was kind of bubbling along the surface. Every time he got, came on from DeAndre Jordan throughout the season, their defence went up through the roof. And he's just like the energy glue guy. He's He's kind of a bit more of a Montrez Harrell type of player, but the the difference between him and Montrez Harrell is he is he's willing to switch on to smaller guys and he'll step up to the mark. Whereas I think Harrell for most of this year has been living off the fact he's sixth man of the year and he wasn't really you know the all energy guy that he was in the past. Whereas Claxton is looking to get obviously a bigger role in that team. So props to him. Of course, me and Raul will tell you that the real sixth man of the year was Jordan Clarkson, our guy in Utah. Harden being out, Coach Bud not being a, a great playoff coach. I think he's a, a good regular season coach. But Raul, not being a, he's not had a great record when it's come to playoffs. Do you think he's out his depth in the playoffs? Do you think he needs more help on that bench? I think he definitely needs a little bit more help. I, I echo Ryan's sentiment. He needs to at least realize uh, that if you post up KD, he's going to get in foul trouble, regardless of where they're playing or who they're playing. One thing that I would do, I mean, you've got the former defensive player of the year on your roster in Giannis. Why not use him? You know, put him up against KD, you know, lock KD down on the offensive side and force Kyrie to beat you. You've got Harden out. You've got Jeff Green out. Color me shocked that Jeff Green's injured. Surprise, surprise there. So if you lock down KD, that forces Kyrie to, you know, take over the game. And I am not nearly as threatened if I'm a Bucks fan about Kyrie beating me as I am KD. KD's, you know, proven to pretty much take a team on his back and win a championship practically single-handedly. Kyrie, you know, he did that a little bit with the Cavaliers, but let's be honest, that was all LeBron in 2016. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> where, where did, where did, where did KD single-handedly do when, anything? When, when, oh, did okay, he not, okay, did okay. He not, 
the the biggest snake move in history, and suddenly he's single handedly taken a team to a championship. Okay, okay, okay. Wait, no, I'll go and join a seventy three win team. I'll I'll be the one that leads them, not Steph Curry or Clay Thompson or Draymond Green. Me, me, me. Oh wow. <laughs> okay, let me rephrase that. It wasn't you know all KD. I mean Curry did help a little bit, but you know KD was practically the Finals MVP that year. So I'm, I'm trying to give him a little bit of credit uh, as opposed to just like, oh, he's a snake and, you know, he just practically, ba- I mean, granted, that's the truth, but, you know, I'm trying to be, you know, appreciative. Nice, and nice about it. I'm trying to be nice about it. Yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's fair enough. What, before we move on to our last one, one thing that has come to mind is that during the, the week, now, last week, the episode that couldn't get put out because of technical issues, I said that Danny Ainge would probably, or had to leave. I can't remember if I said he, he will leave or he had to leave. Obviously, since then, Ryan, he has left. And God knows how, but Brad Stevens is now taking his job and they're now looking for a new head coach in Boston. I've seen Becky Hammond's name mentioned around the place for for that top job do you think that's the right place for her or do you think she's waiting for Craig for Greg Popovich to to step aside and, and take that one I think we we both we both agreed last week that Danny Danny Ainge mm-hmm. had to go we did his time was definitely up and I think we said that he was the the, the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory of general managers as if he kind of walked into all these picks and all these guys just wanting to give Boston, all the talent in the world for the future. So him to be in that job for so long to make such a bad mess of it, we are not surprised. You know what we are surprised about is Brad Stevens electing to step aside from the coaching. What's he had like four or five years tops in the NBA, and he's decided, yeah, that's me. I'm done. I'm I'm off to you know step up the ladder and uh, let someone else take the reins. I think that's a big, big mistake from Boston. I mean, I, I like uh, Brad Stevens. I think he's a very, very smart man. But I think his best role is as a coach. He, I don't think, was given the, the full whack of what that team could have become. And for, for him now to step aside and say, oh, it's going to be someone else's team. I'll do all the, the recruitment stuff and, you know, the overseeing. That's not, I don't think that he's ready for that. You know, he's going to be too hands-on. So whoever goes into that role, is not going to have an easy life and they're not going to have it all their own way. And I really do hope that if it is Becky that does take on that job, that she has a bit more say in the run of that team than I think what, what will actually happen with Danny, with uh, Brad Stevens as the overseer. Raul, any, any kind of tips who could end up as the, the head coach in Boston? Is it Becky or is it, is it someone else? Let me first uh, start by saying, can we agree as Jazz fans to keep Danny Ainge as far away from the Jazz front oh, yeah. office as humanly possible? By the way, where did that come from? Because all I seen was Danny Ainge to the Jazz for about three days after he left Boston. It's BYU fans. It's the same fans that have been saying for years, oh, let's go get Jimmer. Let's go get Jimmer. He'll sell tickets like hotcakes. No, he won't. No, he won't. No, I, I do agree with Ryan. Brad Stevens moving from the head coaching position is a huge mistake, but, you know, it's an expensive mistake for the Boston Celtics, you know, because he's basically doing it for the money at this point. 
you know, one name that I think is being overlooked right now is Terry Stotts, because right now he's a free agent in the coaching ranks, you know, after after Portland got, you know, knocked out in the first round. And I honestly think, you know, a guy like Terry Stotts could pretty much land wherever he wants. If he wants to go to Boston, if he wants to go to Orlando, I, I think that's a pretty big name that's going to be uh, talked about for the next few months. I think Becky Hammond is probably going to wait it out in San Antonio. I don't think Popovich is going to be there that much longer. If he's not retiring this year, he's probably retiring next year. But then again, we've been saying the exact same thing for the last five years with Popovich. <laughs> so who knows at this point? <laughs> Let's be honest. Like he is like the workhorse of the NBA. Like there's, there's no one. It's, and it's weird. Like it's not as if he's just the head coach. I mean, he is pretty much in charge of that entire franchise. One thing I will say about Brad Stevens is that one thing that's going to happen towards the end of his tenure as basketball operations president is that part of his contracts that he's had over these last five years with Boston has involved shareholdings in the Boston Celtics. Now, if those shareholdings start to dip because he's doing a bad job, then he's kind of lost on that investment as well. So on the one hand, I agree. I think he's too young. I think he's inexperienced. And that isn't just going to bite Boston in the rear end, but it's going to bite his uh, pocketbook um, at the end because those shares will be worthless by the yeah. time he's done. I think one of, one, of the, one of the interesting stories around this actually is, is now looking at Boston looking to go into almost a full kind of rebuild mode around Jalen and Jason because you've, you've got the likes of Marcus Smart being looked at as a potential trade piece which I think a lot of teams are going to be clambering over. So it'll be really interesting to find out where he ends up. He is, he's one of these two-way guys which who can really help a team take that next step. He's obviously not going to get you 20-plus points every night, but he'll give you 20-plus points in terms of effort and in terms of intensity on both ends of the court. So he is, he is the big kind of name that I'll be looking to see where he ends up this year in the, in the offseason. Yeah, that can be can be really interesting to see what happens in Boston. Guys said Portland, Orlando had some changes at the coaching position, so be interesting all round. Now, let's quickly touch on the Wild West. The West is it's amazing this year. Like I'm I'm really looking forward to these kind of second round matchups. I think they're gonna be awesome. I think they're gonna be filled with drama. I think the Nuggets Suns, first off. I think that's a really, really good series. I think Jokic, Paul, Booker, uh, he's just, it's, I actually think it's got like classic series written all over it. Raul, Chris Paul has been a pain in the Utah side for a number of years. Is this the? Is this him finally going to make a finals? It's going to be tough. Uh, I think they're going to at least uh, advance this run. One thing I'll say is that a lot of Phoenix's odds of winning this playoff series against Denver is going to rest on how healthy uh, DeAndre Ayton is. Because we saw how Ayton was struggling uh, towards the end of that Lakers series. Uh, if he's physically hurt, Jokic is going to feast on that interior defense. Uh, there's no question about it. And if he's allowed to go off for 40, 50 points, I don't see how Phoenix wins this series. 
to be honest with you. But if Aiton is in fact healthy and good to go by at least game one or two, it's going to be tough. It's going to be one of those just classic knockdown drag out fights. Yeah, I think it's going to be really good. And Ryan, Denver have proven over the last couple of years that they are a good, solid playoff team. And I think they have got better each year. And obviously they've, they've kind of, guys like Paul Millsap are starting to fall by the wayside. Is Can the Nuggets do it? Can the Nuggets, you know, just crush Chris Paul just one more time? I, I highly doubt it. As you, as you know, I'm a massive Chris Paul fan. So I <laughs> oh yeah I never I forgot about that I I think that if he is at least eighty percent healthy I think that they have enough to overcome the the, the Nuggets in this series I do agree uh, with Raul I think Jokic no matter what is going to just feast on this interior defense because Aiton as big man he's a little bit on the light side he's also a little bit on the the foul heavy side. So I expect him to see the pine quite a lot in this series because Jokic is going to just have him on toast. It is going to be some fun, fun basketball watching Jokic just eat him up. So I expect to probably see some Frank Kaminsky minutes. Oh, that's going to be horrible to watch. <laughs> um, and I think what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to put Jake Crowder on Jokic for a lot of this series because there's not a lot of depth in the kind of the the kind of the big man area of the Phoenix Suns to handle someone like Jokic but I think with Devin Booker and the fact that the Nuggets are missing all their guards pretty much I think it's you know I think it's going to be Booker going for 40 quite a lot because Facundo Campazzo great guy great name he is not going to be able to live with Booker shooting that is not going to happen yeah, try saying his name three times fast when you're drunk. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the, the Nuggets are, are, are a tough team and I think they're solid. But, yeah, I think Chris Paul and, and co will push through this and I think they will get through and I actually think it's going to end up being quite comfortable just because I think it's weird. You, you talk about teams and you talk about, you know, one one man does he make that much of a difference, but Chris Paul really has made that much of a difference. And uh, Ryan, you did say it last week that he did the same in Oklahoma. You know, he, he brought on the young guys and he was really supportive of the young guys. And, you know, of all his faults, and I, I do think Chris Paul has a lot of them, that isn't one. I, I think one big positive is, is how he treats the young guys and he wants to see them all do well. Uh, and I think I, I think most people would uh, would appreciate that. So the other matchup is obviously the Clippers and the Jazz. This is a series we're looking for. Now, we don't have a Jay Crowder, but he was pretty awesome for us when we had him. So I suppose Phoenix have got that in, in their favour. But we don't have him. But we do have one Joe Ingles and one Royce O'Neal, who has been killing it on defence so far in the playoffs. But, you know, you're going up against Kawhi Leonard, playoff P... Is is playoff Pete actually going to show up any point during the playoffs, Ryan? He, well, he had we had rare sightings of him last night. He he had some good assists. His shooting was abysmal, but you know we don't expect much else from from Mister George Paul, Paul George, playoff P, whatever you want to call him these days. But I think I think a little bit too much has been hyped on what Kawhi Leonard is going to bring to this series. I think we saw him not necessarily locked in completely against the Mavericks, but 
he wasn't going off for a usual 30 plus points and having massive scoring outbursts. He was getting his here and there, but I think throughout that series against the Mavericks, it was their role players that really stepped up. It was the Reggie Jacksons going for 20 plus points, the Terrence Mann's going for 20 plus points, your Morris going for 20 plus points when he wasn't in foul trouble. So I'm looking at these guys to see if they can become a bit more consistent. And I just don't think they can against the Jazz. There's there's too many defensive stoppers on that Jazz team and, you know, real guys that can throw a spanner in the works of these young young guys slash inexperienced guys coming through and giving big, big minutes and big, big points um, for a Clippers team. So I, I expect this to not necessarily be comfortable, but I think be quite decisive in these first couple of games, especially with Ty Lue at, at the helm. I, I don't have a lot of faith in Ty Lue being able to figure out anything about a defense, what, what's going on. And I think it's going to come down on Kawhi Leonard trying to just go ridiculously cyborg mode and you know stealth his way through that defense, which I don't think is going to happen. There's, there's just too much in front of him, I think. And Tyloo's head coach, LeBron James, isn't there. So, you know, he's, he's going to find that difficult. I, I think the Jazz, uh, I think they win this series. I think they win it in four or five. I think if they win it in four, it, it's a tough one to do it. But I actually, I, just, I think you're going up against Kawhi. I, I think that is the only guy you're going up against. And I think, as like you just said, Ryan, it's a team that does have some depth but it's very young. Whereas you look down the Jazz roster, you got Jordan Clarkson, Georges Niang has come on this season, some bounds. And I, I look at I look through the Jazz roster and I just think, I see a really, really well-built team, built for defense. Quinn Snyder has been all about defense since day one when he came into the franchise and he has never relented in that. That's defense wins basketball games that's that's his philosophy and and that's been the jazz way since it works and that's probably why we finished top of the nba um, and then you've got the flair of donovan mitchell who can just jump out like a cat i mean he just leaps over everyone and then you've got gobert who is just not gonna let anyone get inside he he does struggle when he's switched onto a guard, onto a smaller guy, there's no doubt about that. That is his biggest weakness. So if you get switches onto the guards and, and smaller guys, he is going to struggle. But if he can stay inside, no one's getting in. No one is getting in. Raul, we'll give you the, the, the final word on this yeah. series. You're in Utah. We, we've won against the Clippers a number of years now since, since Hayward. I think even in, in Hayward's last year, we beat the Clippers. So, can can the Jazz give themselves an extra bit of a break while the other series is going on? Just lie and wait to, to see if they're going to play the Suns or maybe even Denver. First, can we acknowledge it, how awesome and how sweet it's going to be for Paul George to come visit his dad again in the playoffs? Anyway, uh, yeah, so... I, I think they are going to win the series. The Jazz are going to win the series. I think Ingles is going to lock George down. I mean, at this point, you know, Don Mitchell could probably lock George down. I don't see George as a factor in this series. I do think Kawhi is going to be my biggest concern 
I think if Royce O'Neal plays on Kawhi the same way that he did in the Memphis series, it's going to be a pretty uh, nasty result for the Clippers for sure. But I do think they do win in five, maybe six. It's going to be really difficult uh, for them to get at least a little bit of rest uh, in between series at this point. But uh, it's possible. It's very possible because I don't see how the Suns and Nuggets series is going to finish in anything short of seven. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one. So that is the West or the the Wild West as, as at the moment. Some great basketball coming up over the next couple of weeks with these uh, four series that are going on across the East and West. Some great games ahead, some great performances I'm sure will be happening as well, um, which is great to see. Raul, why don't you just one more time just tell us all about your podcast. It's called The Closing Tag. As I call it, it's a variety uh, podcast that just happens to talk technology, web development, uh, sports, politics, uh, you name it. I've, you know, flirted with the idea of maybe doing some cooking tips on there. That's how um, just all over the place I am, but it's a lot of fun. You can catch me on there on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, I'm not on Google Podcasts yet, but I'm working on it. Stitcher is another one. I'm also on Facebook and on YouTube, uh, so catch me on there as well. Uh, just search for the closing tag, YouTube and on Facebook, and on any of your podcast providers. And if you do do that, you will see an episode yeah. of me from last week which is pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome to be on, on your podcast. So thank you so much for that. Ryan, big games ahead this week. Uh, is there any one in particular that you're, you're looking forward to? I'm really looking forward to seeing another Nets-Bucks game, mainly for the fact that I want to see what goes on and if Coach Bud is actually going to be the coach for this Bucks team. I think that this is his last roll of dice. If they lose this series, even if it goes to seven games, he's gone. Mm. I'm, 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 I'm shocked that, that the the Dallas Mavericks have chosen to stick by Rick Carlisle. I thought after seeing what he did in Game 7 and how he couldn't, you know, change the rotations and get these guys just actually playing consistent basketball in the fourth quarter for a change on uh, against the Clippers was, you know, a big, big telling point. And I thought that was that was his nail in the coffin. So I, I think that this this one is, is Bud's last... Last hurrah, I think. Well, well, we'll see what happens there. Um, don't forget that we do have Across the Pond NHL podcast. They are also covering the NHL playoffs at the moment with uh, Chris and Josh. They're doing a great job and they've got some great guests coming up as well. Obviously, the, the big news from ourselves this week is next Monday, we will launch the first episode of Across the Pond WNBA podcast with myself and Michelle Snow exceptionally excited uh, to get that underway and um, hope you all join us for that and we will be back next week as long as Ryan can charge <laughs> his phone um, but for the moment have a great week and enjoy some NBA You've been listening to Across the Pond Sports Podcast, part of Across the Pond Sports Network. Keep checking back for more episodes. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.